0: Hi, and welcome to the new futurist podcast this is a show where we give you practical tips and insights on how the world is changing, but more importantly, the actions that you can take today to become an active participant in shaping the outcome of the future. And today is a special episode because this is one of the shows that, uh, uh that is, uh, that I was actually a guest on someone else I've got to think of a better way to say that. But this here is a recording from another show that I was a guest on uh, a good friend of mine, Jeff Tun. He's with Intervision, and this is on his show called "Status Go." And Jeff is a, a great friend, somebody who uh, I really enjoy having a conversation with, which I think you'll be able to tell from this recording um, But Jeff and I talk about the three c's for creating the future, and uh we dive into some really interesting areas, especially around um, IT. This is the field that he works in. And, uh, and we really focus in on how to create the future and have that conversation. He asked some great questions and, um, we just, we had a really good time on the show. I think you'll find this, uh, find this quite enjoyable. Also be sure to leave links to status goes podcast uh, in case you want to check out more of their shows. Um, I highly recommend it for sure. Now before we jump in, a little house cleaning. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, please take two seconds to do so. I mean, obviously, if you want to stay up to date with uh, with me and with the things that we're putting out, but also so that uh, I can hear from you, so I can see what you're responding to and and what uh, and what you're most interested in, and also to be made aware of anything that we're not discussing that you really want to hear more about. So, anyway, make sure you hit subscribe. Uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if there's something you want to hear and. Um, yeah, I'll stop right there. Let's jump into the show.
1: So welcome to the show, Jared. Thank you, Jeff. It's great to be here. Jared, let's just start with your definition of what is a futurist and a little bit about how you got started in this work. I think that would be fascinating. Yeah, well, it's uh,
0: the definition of a futurist will vary depending on how many futurists you talk to, but uh, <laughs> you know, feel for- for me, so I'll define it the way, um, the way I see it and how it plays into my work. Uh, being a futurist is really about uh, a mindset. It's about the way that we think about the future. So instead of uh, doing what humans do best, which is we wait for something to happen and then we react to it, uh, the difference here is that we look out and see what the possibilities might be for how the future might unfold. Again, not to be confused with predicting the future. There's a lot of folks that predict the future and, you know, it's, it's got a terrible track record. But the point <laughs> is, is to make better decisions today about the kind of future that we want to see. So for me, my definition of being a futurist is just, it's about being intentional and conscious of the kind of future that we are creating through our actions today.
1: So, how does that differ from some of the other futurists that people might have heard speak at conferences and things like that?
0: Yeah, so you know everybody's a little bit different. Um, a lot of futurists that I know of, colleagues I know of, the primary mode of their business is in keynote speaking, getting up and informing people about trends and drivers and, and what they see out on the horizon. And you know that's uh, th- there's nothing wrong with that at all. But for me, my line of work. Uh, To give you an example, what I've been trained for is really strategic foresight. And strategic foresight differs from uh, trend analysis to moving more into things like scenario planning. And I think uh, you and I talked about this before we were recording, but in my graduate program, I was one of 10 folks graduating, and I was the only one out of that group that did not come from the State Department or go back into the State Department or go into a defense contract. Contracting or a think tank. So, we've essentially been trained for deep futures work, which is looking at several ways that the future could unfold so we could determine number one, what kind of future is it that is going to be in our best interest? And then number two, what do we need to do today to make that future more of a reality? And so, for me, my goal was to bring that into the private sector because, you know, getting up and giving a keynote for 90 minutes about trends and drivers is great for entertainment maybe for informational purposes, but when it comes to solving big problems or uh, creating the future, we need to have more people equipped with the skills and the mindset to take action now so that we're involved in driving and shaping things the way that we want to see them. Rather than waiting for AI to you know, just be developed by somebody else, we need to be involved in that conversation and more importantly, know how to think about these things that are here so that we can be Active participants, rather than uh, what I like to say, is uh, passive recipients of somebody yeah. else's idea of the future.
1: So you you touched a little bit on your background there, and I think one of the other fascinating things is that, and I believe I have this right. Your undergrad, you studied history,
0: yeah, and English creative uh, writing.
1: So, so, but but that that's an interesting tie. to to have the background in history as well as the background in strategic foresight. So how do you marry those two things together in your work?
0: Yeah, well, you know, they're very similar. I know a lot of people say, well, the best way to predict the future is to look to the past, and I disagree with that. I I think we have to look at the similarities uh, more in the way that we understand the past, which is we... Uh, If we want to understand why certain things happened, we first look to the context. If we pull bits and pieces out of context, they don't make sense. But if we look to the larger, broader context and ask ourselves what was going on in society, what was going on with technology, what was going on uh, politically, what was the economic structure like, then we can understand better why certain events might have taken place. What were the triggers that made these things and these big events kick off? Well, the same principles apply to looking at the future. Most of the time when we look at the future, it's usually just a projection of what we already know. We're just blasting it into the unknown future without considering the broader context. Mm-hmm. And so that's the direct tie is that uh, if we plan for the future, we think about the future, we first have to create future context. Without that, we're just guessing. So that's where I really see the, uh, the direct connection between the two.
1: So when we've spoken in the past, you've talked about kind of your three C's uh, that you bring to your work. Can you dive into those and and talk about each one? What are the three C's and how you use them?
0: Yeah, certainly. So the three C's really just it's just a simple way of, of looking at the skills or the attributes that we have to have in order to create the future. And the first one is that you must be conscious. Now, I don't mean just having a pulse, obviously. You know, everybody has that for the most part, but you know, you have to be conscious, which is really just being aware of the seen and the unseen forces that are driving and shaping the future. And I talk about the seen forces are the things that most of us talk about or are aware of when it comes to the future, things like artificial intelligence, big data, uh, you know, climate change. You know, these big drivers that are in our arena right now but the full implications of what they'll mean for us as people those haven't they haven't been born out yet but even more important than that is the unseen forces and the unseen forces are the narratives the stories the ideas uh, that are driving and influencing our decisions on a day-to-day basis they're the ideas and the stories that are being given to us about what the scene forces like artificial intelligence and big data, what, what those will mean for us in the future and consequently how we should think about them or what we should uh, view them as. you know. And this is this has become more and more of a problem because most of us living in this information age, we are being told what the future is going to be over and over again. Yeah. And if we just take what somebody else tells us without asking ourselves the bigger questions about what else might be possible, then... Uh, we're giving up our ability to participate in the direction that these trends and drivers will go in and ultimately the kind of implications they'll have for our future. And that brings us to that second C, which is curious. You see, before you can start asking questions, which is ultimately what curious is about, it's about uh, challenging the the baseline assumptions, the narratives about what the future is going to be. And not discarding them, but using them as a jumping off point and just asking the question, well, this this makes sense here. I see where this expert or this uh, analyst is coming from, but what else might be possible? And that's where you start to take that active role in thinking critically about the possibilities that artificial intelligence, gene editing, climate change, big data, and so on might have on the future. And the example I like to use because it's very familiar for most folks is Facebook, I know we talked about this before, yeah. but Facebook started in 2003, 2004, started out as a college, you know, Ivy League college, just be real specific here, Ivy League college, hot or not, like who's hot, who's not, and who's dating who. And, uh, and then shortly it started to roll out to the rest of uh, the university systems and then out to the public. Well, from the time that Facebook launched, less than 10 years later, Facebook goes from a hot or not website for college kids to becoming the number one tool used to overthrow a 30 plus year dictatorship in the Middle East. Now, despite what Mark Zuckerberg might say today, <laughs> you'd be hard pressed to convince me or anyone, I think that he was sitting there going, you know, this is great. I know, uh, what Billy thinks of Sally, but in less than 10 years, this thing's going to be overthrowing governments, right? Be, right. You know, it, it's, if we want to understand how something here today might impact the future as a whole, we have to learn how to think about it first. And when we know how to think about it, we can ask how this technology or driver or trend, whatever it is we're looking at, might impact multiple facets of society. In other words, we have to look beyond the original intention for which it was created, right? Ivy League Mm -hmm. college kids, you know, and look beyond the audience for whom it was created and start asking questions about how it might impact things that are completely unrelated today. And that's what actually brings us into creating context understanding what the future could look like outside of the realm that, you know, that technology or trend is born in. And then um, that ultimately brings us to that last C, which is creative. And that's essentially where the rubber meets the road. It's where, you know, you've taken everything that you've uh, thought about, you've questioned these ideas, you've looked for what else might be possible. And then you start to put that into action. You start to, 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 Ask others to join in with you in creating a vision of the future because a uh, vision of the future really has to be something that regular people can put their hands around. You know, I think there's a lot of, we think of visionaries as coming up with a grand idea, but the missing piece is often, well, wait, how did you arrive at that conclusion? And that's where the, the disconnect tends to happen. And so the creative side of this is where you are looking at how the future might unfold, and seeing this is the kind of future that we want to see. You're asking the big questions of how does this impact the people that we serve? Uh, you don't start with how does this impact my business because your business is irrelevant if it's not focused on improving the lives of the people that you serve. And so you, you take a big look uh, to see where the world might be going. Again, you're not predicting the future, you're envisioning it. But then you have a place to now work backwards from to say, If we want to avoid these other two possibilities, you know, it could be more than that. But if we want to avoid these other two possibilities and we really want to bring this future right here, this preferred future into reality, what do we need to do right now? Not only to change our behavior, our direction and so on, but what do we need to do right now to start talking about this, to start uh, enlisting uh, the people that we serve, the people that we work with? to get more people excited about taking ownership and creating this kind of future. That is ultimately uh, the goal of thinking this way. It's so that we can take these ideas, we can take what we have uh, understood, what we thought critically about, and we can put it into action right now. Because the future and looking at the future is really useless unless you can leverage it in the present. So those are the three Cs.
1: I think that is great for our audience, Jared, because we've got a lot of the members of our audience are IT leaders, strategic leaders, those CIOs that are trying to guide their organizations and they want to break out from that status quo. That's why they listen to this to this podcast and your thoughts about setting uh, identifying the context and then using the three Cs to create that future is, it's a different way of looking at things rather than, as you say, letting the future happen to you. If I'm a CIO and I'm looking at this vast array, this explosion across the technology landscape, ever accelerating changes and transformations, how do I identify which ones or ones I want to focus on for my business. I know you talk to business leaders all the time about this. So how do you help them sort through the various uh, concepts of the future and identify which ones are going to be most meaningful to them?
0: Yeah. Well, I I think the very last part of your question there is where we start, which is, you know, what's most meaningful to them? I mean, you know, I, I think the temptation is often to come in and and tell you what I think you should be focusing on. But again, that would go completely against, you know, it'd be good. Yeah, the whole yeah, three C's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, you know, you know, don't listen to everybody else. Listen to me. But so that's where we really start. Everybody that is in a leadership position. Well, let's just back this up a little bit. Everybody is thinking about the future all the time, whether they realize it or not. Right. You know, I mean, even if it's yeah. the next five minutes, the next five days, the next five years. And so, the goal is to get really good at it, but the fact that we are thinking about the future anyway, and especially if you're a leader, you are definitely thinking about the future and the direction of your organization. The first place to start is to say, well, what is it that is at the top of your mind? You know, when you think about the future and where the, the opportunities uh, for real growth, real transformation, uh, just you know, taking your organization to a new level, where do you think those are? You know, and Jeff, you know, I'll I'll pose that question to you. I know we've talked about this briefly in the past, but, you know, you tell me when you think about the future, Jeff, what do you think is uh, the area that you should be focusing on? Because you see it's either potential for huge disruption that could decimate your industry or
1: uh, that has huge opportunity. That's a great question. It's not fair. I'm supposed to be interviewing you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it depends on the industry that you're in, but for us in a service industry, it's things like uh, AI and machine learning today. That's kind of the, the things that are on the horizon that help automate some of the backend processes, make us more intelligent uh, in understanding the operations of the systems that we're responsible for. So I think to me right now, and I would call that probably more near future, call that two to three years ish. It's already starting to have impacts uh, in our industry. And the other one that I that I think, and we've talked a little bit about this on previous episodes of the show, is uh, the combination of five G and Internet of Things. I think that has the uh, the promise of being able to. Revolutionize the way IT systems are run, for one, but also to revolutionize many businesses. The connectedness of everything in our offices, in our factories, in our services, I think will really be one of those trends in the next two to three years that really change the way we do things. And quite honestly, both of those end up changing the way we live our lives because the other thing that I see that has happened is this consumerization of IT it was the it was the dream what right 30 years ago 40 years ago to have a PC in every house yeah. uh, now it's how many types of computers do you have in your house so we're now living in this connected world and that's bleeding over into the business world and so i think you begin to see more and more of those types of things like smart speakers, Alexa or Google or Siri coming into the office. And, and I think that changes the way we work. So that's my answer for what's going to impact us most in the next two to three years. The question that I have is, I don't know that I could answer why I think that. And that's probably not good. I should probably go back and review the three C's uh, and identify why I think that, right? I mean, I should know why I think those things are are coming at us.
0: Well, and let me just say, I mean, so you, you, as I was listening, I'm just smiling as I was listening to you answer. I think the way you answered that was great because it, it, what I find over and over again is that when people ask me what I think, they already have an assumption about what they think. And that's perfectly good. That's where you (laughs) start And it doesn't matter. It's not about who's right or who's wrong. Let's be honest. I mean, uh, you know, we can't predict the future. Right. I mean, it's, you know, people have tried has a notoriously bad track record, but yet we still put a lot of stock in it. You know, like, oh, in the next 50 years, X, Y and Z, you know, just go back and look at all the terrible predictions that have been out there. But we have a baseline assumption of what we think the future is going to look like. And that's where we start And that baseline assumption the reason why you think that way jeff is i would almost certainly think is one you're a critical thinker right so not to take anything away from that but two you read and you scour and whether you're doing it intentionally or not you're you're reading about what industry experts are saying what uh you know different projections and predictions are being made about the future of this type of technology and that gets stored away in your mind it's like okay interesting right we're storing up this information And you know, to find out where uh, these things might actually be going, I mean, you know, the, these projections could be correct, but to, to really dive deeper into seeing, you know, going back to this idea of looking beyond the original audience for who it was intended and looking beyond the original intent for which it was created, well, then you start to ask questions that go outside of you know, what everybody's talking about in technology and AI, which the vast majority yeah. of it just tends to be around more technology and, you know, faster processing speeds. And it's staying within that realm that it lives in now. But if you start to ask questions that seem completely unrelated, like how might AI impact the way we view traditional roles in the family? What I mean is a mother and a father, or a father and a father, mother, mother, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like two parents and kids, right? Like how could AI impact the way that we view that family unit or structure, right? does it uh you know you start going into those kinds of questions and say well well well, what does that have to do with anything Well, has everything to do with anything you know i mean this is how we understand the impact that technology has on the human life and the human society right we ask questions like that to say like so let me just ask you what do you think what kind of impact could artificial intelligence and the internet of things have on the way that uh, you know parents and children relate to each other and view each other's roles in the family union. What do you think?
1: Well, I think uh, you can start to have AI smart speakers that help the child with homework. Yeah, I mean, fairly fairly basic and could be done today. I spend uh, hours with my five and seven year old grandsons asking Google different questions because they just think it's hysterical (laughs) that this speaker answers them and tells them about you know the latest superhero that they have a question about, so you extend that into asking it how to how to do a, a thesis for a presentation that you've got going on at school, and it takes uh, internet research to a whole new level. So that may almost become a negative impact on the family because the smart speaker takes over some of the role that the parent had uh, in helping with the homework. So that was the first one that come to mind when you were using that as the example, Jared.
0: Yeah, you know, so it's good. To me, that brings the ultimate question, and let's get down to the base, you know, human needs or inside a family unit. Children rely on parents for uh, food, clothing, shelter, um, education, right? Uh, Being taught how to do certain things and function in society. Now, all of a sudden, if you introduce AI, and a heavily integrated AI with the Internet of Things, where your, you know, your, uh, your refrigerator talks to your phone and cracks jokes with Alexa, right?
1: That's right, right,
0: right. right. So how does that, you know, you start? So you start really diving deep and exploring this, this microcosm of what it might look like inside of a home to have AI so heavily embedded, and how it starts to change or evolve or erode certain ways of relating to each other. Yep, we do that for you know several different aspects of society. Society is built around large, big, broad things like technology, you know, the economy, uh, public policy, and uh, you know the environment. And we want to ask these you know questions about how this trend or driver here today might impact various parts of that. Not just how it's going to impact technology and the market, but how it's going to directly impact. Key parts of what makes us human, key parts of how we communicate and relate to each other, of what uh, has stood the test of time. You know, we're biologically wired to be social creatures, mm-hmm. right? Which is why I also believe that, you know, we are living in the most connected time in human history, but we also have the highest rates of depression and loneliness because right. we have checked that box that, well, if we're connected on Facebook, uh, you know, in our minds, we're thinking, well, I've, I've done my social duty. But then we're still yeah. lacking something. So, you know, the, the flip side is that, that AI and other things could also dramatically enhance or reconnect us to the things that make us human. I mean, there's multiple possibilities, but we have to start asking those questions and spend the time with it to really understand what the possibilities are. But if we just take a canned, well, this is what it's going to be from, you know, from anybody who's writing about it, then, uh, you know, you're essentially giving up your agency in the, the way that it will unfold.
1: You know, so how do you, how do we get better at at that? So one of your concepts that I just, that really resonated with me when we talked about this a couple of months ago was the working backwards, the thinking backwards, you've got this vision of the future. What steps do you take today, tomorrow, and the next day to get there? That, that whole working backwards from that, but yet businesses all over the world do strategic planning, and most of them aren't really great at it. Uh, So how do we get better as technology leaders in that strategic planning process, that process of creating that vision using the three C's and then thinking backwards on the building blocks to get there?
0: Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, you know, about the strategic planning side, the reason why most strategic plans tend to fail is because of the Uh, the underlying assumptions that are built into a strategic plan. And that is that we are going to, you know, our goal is X, Y, and Z. So they're planning for the future. And it gets that time frame gets shorter and shorter because things keep changing so fast. But it's, uh, uh, and this idea didn't originate with me. I think this is something I uh, had picked up in grad school. But the big difference is, you know, strategic planning was a planning process of position. Like this is where we are going to go or be. Whereas strategic foresight, and especially in today's day and age, is a process of mobility, right? It's, it's we have to have a moving, you know, this thing has to constantly be adapting and adjusting by just paying attention to what's changing, you know, so being aware of these indicators that a certain type of future scenario might be unfolding. So when it comes to the working backwards idea, I mean, that's, you know, Peter Drucker's talked about that. I mean, the, that concept is not new, but the way that I like to frame up, You know standing in the future and looking backwards and saying how did we ultimately get here well that starts by going back to what we were just talking about and then saying what do you believe is the most important thing you should be looking at right now and you start asking those questions of well how might this impact the way we communicate or create art or uh, entertain ourselves or how might this impact the natural environment you start digging deep researching on some of these things and you will find you start seeing All these different possibilities come out that you had never thought about before that ultimately lead to creating a context of the future, right? So, you know, one of the most uh, recognized, at least in our field has been recognized is, you know, the, the steep process. Others might call it pestle. I mean, it's just social, technological, economic, environmental, and political. These are, you know, five different elements to look at when considering the impact that a trend or driver could have in the future. And you just start going through and you start asking specific questions that relate to each of those arenas to start identifying where the real opportunities and implications and potential impacts are on the future. And then you focus in on those and your vision of the future has got to relate directly to what you see as a possibility and ideally the preferred possibility that uh, that works out not only for you, but works out well for your, uh, your customers, your community. I mean, however broad you want to get with it. And then you start telling the story of how you'll make that a reality. But the thing is, is that you've already worked forward to create that. Now you can stand there and work backward and tell people how you got there.
1: You know, if, if I
0: just tell you that in 10 years, and I, I present this great vision of, you know, where I think we'll be going and why it's important for us to focus on these things now, but I don't connect the dots to what's going on right now. Well, then, then I've lost you. Or you just have to trust me that I know what I'm doing and have no idea how I've mapped that process out.
1: Yeah. Or it becomes a fantasy sci-fi movie,
0: right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yes. yes. Oh yeah. man. That's all. We should have a whole other conversation. About it.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of times when we run through this, you know, I, I do a full day workshop on this that puts people through this process. And almost always somebody asks me who gets the rights to the sci-fi movie we just created
1: <laughs> because that's right. That's right. Yeah.
0: You know, that's, yeah, that's yeah, essentially, yes. yeah, that's, that's what that is. So, you know, it's hard to really cover all that in a podcast, but, you know, this first step is creating the context of the future by looking at how trends and drivers today might impact multiple facets of society. Again, you're not going for dead accuracy. We're not trying to predict the future. You're trying to envision the future. And then when you envision yeah. the context of the future and you've identified the kind of future you want to see, you're, you're able to work backwards and start connecting those dots yeah. to help other people understand how you arrived at that conclusion and start Uh, inviting them in to get excited about the possibilities because most people today are just waiting for it to happen. They don't believe that they can actually drive and influence it. But by going through this process, you can. You can. And then when you show people how you got there, they can. And that's really the ultimate um, value, in my opinion, and reason why I do this work.
1: Jared, as usual, you and I could talk forever on this, but we've got to wrap for today. Uh, I would love to have you back later on in 2020, but before I let you go today, I always like to end these podcasts with a, a call to action. What's one thing or two things that our listeners should do differently tomorrow because they listened to us today?
0: They should grow a beard. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's specific. You know, if the ladies want to grow a beard too, I'm hundred percent behind it. So, no, No, you know, this is a, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I get asked that a lot and they say, well, if you were to focus on one of the C's, right. Uh
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And in my opinion, it's conscious is the first one. I think anybody who is serious about, uh, you know the direction of the future or being involved and in influencing the outcome of the future, you have to be conscious. And what I mean is that you have got to be aware, especially of the narratives that dictate your life. I mean, I'm not talking about just the big overarching dominant narratives like political or religious or national, whatever they might be. I'm talking about the little things, right? Like when you hear something or see something or read something and you have a certain reaction to it, that's a perfect moment to stop and say, well, why do I feel that way? Right? We have so many belief systems built in that we have to start questioning those things and saying, well, that's interesting. You know, why do I believe that? Is that my idea or somebody else's? And the more that we make that a practice, the more ready we are to consider possibilities that go well beyond what we think is possible. And that's where the real opportunities for Genuine innovation, not just, oh, I threw an extra camera on the back of my iPhone and that's innovation. That's not innovation. Real innovation is to say, I'm going to test an idea that most people think is crazy, which by the way, is a perfect sign that you are onto something and uh, and go with it. But you have to get to the place where you are okay, not having all the answers. um, Okay, growing and developing and maybe even completely changing the way that you think because- You're open to questioning what, uh, you know, maybe what you think you've known for so long and really digging deep and saying, well, am I just buying into somebody else's idea, somebody else's narrative? Um, or, uh, is there something else that might be possible? And that's really the place that people, uh, you know, I, I really believe that that's the first step. That's where we all need to be. The tools and all that kind of stuff is really cool. But if you don't do this part first, you're going to go into those tools with all kinds of assumptions and bad ideas and maybe just propagate something that's not good for you or anybody else.
1: So, Jared, I think that is fantastic advice. And I think there's a lot from this conversation that our listeners can take away and begin to implement in their work life, in their personal life. I think there's ideas for all of those aspects of our lives. I want to thank you so much for being on the show and uh, I look forward to our next conversation, man. Uh, it's always a joy.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. This was fun and uh, I'd love to love to come back. All right, everybody. That is it for today's show. Again, thank you so much for being here. And if you have not subscribed, make sure you do that before you uh, turn this episode off. And then also visit us at thenewfuturist.com where you can find out more about our work, uh, a lot of the free resources that we have. Of course, if you want to take your strategic thinking, your decision-making, or increase that skill set to drive real innovation and create the future, then you'll definitely want to check out the Foresight Academy. You can find that on our website at thenewfuturist.com under courses, but you can also find that at theforesightacademy.com. Again, that's theforesightacademy.com. This is something we're doing in partnership with the University of Tennessee where uh, folks that go through this program and they complete it are uh, issued a certificate in strategic foresight from the Haslam College of Business at the University of Tennessee. So again, check us out at thenewfuturist.com, but also if you're interested in uh, in the Foresight Academy and getting your certificate in strategic foresight, then definitely check us out at theforesightacademy.com. As always, uh, feel free to reach out to us directly. Let us know what you think. If you've got some ideas or comments or things that you want to see us uh, or hear us talk about, we want to hear from you. We want to know. So make sure that you comment on the blog and, uh, and leave us a note. All right. Thanks again, everybody. See you soon.